got a big red cherry nose. Santa's got a big red cherry nose. Who laughs this way? Ho, ho, ho. Santa laughs this way. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Cherry nose. Get on it. Sue that's red. Special night. Here that's right. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the In Real Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Steve. A toast to my little brother, Sam, the richest man in town. Oh, oh, oh Sammy. There you go. Oh. It's your time of year, buddy. There's your, You deserve a toast. This is this is We're getting right up on your big day. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited. He's so excited. We are excited to be back. We are here on the In Real Deep podcast, and we are wrapping up our 2020 holiday movies Christmas time series by talking about a big, wonderful, exciting film. Of course, I mean, it's a wonderful life. Probably the most famous Christmas movie of all time. Is that accurate? It has to be, right? Yeah. I Well, I put this in. I wrote about this for the Film 101 series on In Real Deep uh, last year. I would proffer that this may be the most the the film that's watched been watched more times by more people than any other movie in history. Maybe Star Wars is passing at this point, but I think you could make an argument for It's a Wonderful Life just because it's a yearly tradition for so many people. I and would say Americans. Old. I would say Star Wars probably well, has a more global appeal, right? But okay. Americans, I think you're probably right. Okay. No, I mean, just just offering a mild distinction. I think it's very true. And we'll get to the details of why exactly that is. Of course, we have Sam Johnson here. We mentioned him. He talked already. He is here, and he is ready for the Christmas season. Isn't that right, Sam? I sure am. And this is a great way to slide right into it. It really Ooh. is. And we have beverage of choices. We have beverages to accompany it. I am drinking the beer that Andrew has been talking about off and on throughout this series, the Sierra Nevada Celebration Fresh Hop IPA, which is a delightful, delightful item, Andrew. You weren't you weren't lying. It's it goes down smooth and easy. It's it's just it's just in such a sweet spot. It's got a lot of hops. It's not too too strong. Like it doesn't knock your doors off. It's great beer. It's not like those Christmas beers that are like, you know, they have all the shit yeah. in it, you know? And it's like, this is just, has a hint yeah. of Christmas to it, which I think is the way we both like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like uh, a handful of cloves having been dropped <laughs> yeah, in every right. bottle. Or a stick yes. of Let's cinnamon. It. It's like, I don't need any of that shit. Was the fruitcake too much for you guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. The texture well, is the real <laughs> selling point there, you know? Well, speaking of speaking of cloves and cinnamon, I'm actually drinking a special holiday treat in honor of this movie, uh, which is uh, uh, I made some mulled wine. Oh, lovely! Um, just get my I made something for this. Look so at you. there you go. It's got it does have a couple cinnamon sticks in there, cloves, some orange peel, um, cardamom pods, and some brandy and wine, of course. It's delicious. That sounds like a beautiful winter beverage. I, I'm drinking an Alpha Claws by Three Floyds Brewing. It's a Christmas porter. Um, I think it's a like a, a Christmas variant of one of their other beers, but it's it's one of my favorite breweries, one of the best breweries in the nation, and, and one of the only good things about Indiana. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> slandering the great state of indiana you know crossroads of america that's their only claim to fame they have roads 
Um, Larry Bird, too. Do we care about that still? No. Don't care. <laughs> I didn't care. Um, uh, also, also, I have a sidecar of eggnog. I finally did it. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. What 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 seasonal beverages? The most seasonal for sure we've had so far. I love it. Yeah. And it's perfect for this great movie because this movie deserves all the beverages, all the praise, all the focus. It's a classic. I had not watched this movie until very recently. I just one of those things we didn't you know I can it's been talked about many times on these series. We weren't a huge Christmas family growing up, so we didn't have a ton of traditions, we didn't watch a ton of the movies. Um and this is one that I came on to late and I will say it's you know, it's it's a near pro- I mean there's a, you can make up argument that it's a perfect movie. I would say it's a near perfect movie. Not really any issues. It just doesn't t- you know, it just doesn't grab me Fully the way you know some movies that I absolutely adore do, but there's no doubting the genius of it, the entertainment value, the message, the acting, like everything about it is really, really great. Andrew, you've written about this before. You, as you mentioned, tell us a little bit more about the whole history behind *It's a Wonderful Life*. Yeah, well, often I do a plot synopsis, but that feels superfluous on an episode <laughs> like this. If you haven't seen *It's a Wonderful Life*, just go see it. It's on Amazon Prime. So free to almost everyone. No, and maybe please, not the color version, though, I would say. Right? Yes, please, please. I was going to say, please watch the black and white <laughs> version. Um, of course, it'll be on TV Christmas Eve, I believe, is usually when it's shown, um, which is where the history lesson comes in. And before I say that, Steve, I have to say I, I was like you, too. I, I never really watched like the full movie until very recently, a couple of years ago, when I wrote the, the piece. Of course, I'd seen parts of it. And honestly, like a lot of my initial exposure to it was on like SNL sketches with like Dana Carvey. <laughs> so, like I, you feel like you knew about Bedford Falls. They were making jokes about it, but you, I'd never really had the, the grounding in it. But um, anyway, so I think one of the most interesting things about this movie is that it's, it's ascendancy to like, you know, the, the, the top of the Christmas mountaintop is by and large kind of a fluke of history. So, um, the the um the copyright protection on the film actually expired uh, sometime in the mid 70s and um because of that this was largely a, 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 a it's I, I wouldn't call it like a forgotten film but it certainly wasn't like it wasn't even like citizen kane which we recently talked about or certainly many of the other uh, other classics of like 1940s hollywood casablanca whatever uh, in terms of like being recognized at the time as like one of the great films of that era um, but then in the 1970s, it, 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 it lapses into the public domain and PBS starts showing it because it doesn't cost any money to show the movie. And uh, in the 1970s, it sort of like starts to pick up this this steam um, to the point that it, it got to where it is today. Uh, and now it's like shown on like many networks. I think NBC is the one that most commonly shows it out of the big networks. But um I, I just love that that little fact because it's it's it is it almost feels uh it almost feels George Bailey esque to kind of <laughs> float around in the ether thinking it doesn't matter too much and then get picked up in the nineteen seventies and, and turn into the into the story it is. I mean there's some other interesting things about the history of this film we can cover later, but I, I think it's important people know that it's a, it's a wonderful life comes out in nineteen forty six, but it wasn't like chiseled into the Mount Rushmore of Christmas films in 1946. Uh, in fact, took 
took quite a while for it to get the status it which is it so got. strange so, because Frank Capra yeah. the director was already huge at that point he'd won several academy yeah. awards like he had already done Mr. Smith goes to Washington with Jimmy Stewart which is you know a huge collabo between yeah. those two so it's odd yeah. to me that this one didn't take i don't do you have any idea what that was or is that just just you know one of those things where it didn't hook people is there any do people ever talk about the context about that I would be lying if I told you I knew. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know, know either, but it's um, weird though, right? It yeah. makes it doesn't. I just don't see what this didn't. Why this didn't resonate then, but it does now. Yeah, and a lot, yeah, a lot of the like I was gonna say, like Citizen Kane, we talked about that that a little bit. Like it wasn't, it didn't win like every Oscar the year it came out, but it was recognized at least at, when it came out as something special. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it was recognized as something as special as it sort of became, which is. But it's a wonderful life. Kind of was. It, on the you know sort of on the dust dust in the dustbin of history film history for a while he gets plucked up by someone at pbs and um you know now like i said is probably as you say with with americans at least probably one of the most watched films period that's ever been made <laughs> mm-hmm. so, and, so, um, and a really good yeah. one as well so truly yeah. truly special sam what's your background with this wow how long this is not in the typical sam johnson uber i would say of christmas movies like not saying i'm sure you didn't enjoy it a ton but it's not you know you've, you've given us some movies to watch that uh are are netflixy streamy easy to consume you know simple as you note about netflix looking at your phone while you're watching like you yeah not that that might have been a sam johnson way but it is the way that many people consume some of these christmas movies this is is clearly far better in terms of quality what is your experience with this one um i it's pretty similar to andrew during our formative years obviously um like if he had watched it i would have been watching it but um (laughs) yeah so i we didn't really watch it that much growing up and i I think you know uh i would say over the course of the past like 10 years or so i've really gotten into it gotten into it where it's like on my roster pretty much every christmas season um the thing and you know it's interesting that you note my very particular taste (laughs) Uh, i was trying to use the most benign language i could there and be like well you like movies and they're on screens and there is tinsel in them you know (laughs) But it is, yeah, no, I, it, it's actually like it kind of cuts to the core of my approach a little bit during Christmas season, which is that like, look, I, it's a happy season. Um, and I know it's not a happy season for everyone, but like for me, it's been a happy season my whole life. And like you have to, when you watch this movie, you have to emotionally prepare yourself for at least a little bit, even though like it's all good in the end and even the downs are not so down um but like it's a serious movie it's a uh, you know the crux of the of the movie is a guy who you know is gonna kill himself and i don't know like juice i i don't know if that's part of the reason why it didn't like take originally <laughs> because the whole i mean it's like it describes the plot oh well it's a guy about who, who it's like a a guy who never realizes his dreams gets trapped is a victim as a massive victim of circumstance and almost kills himself, but then doesn't. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. So I, at that level, it's I don't know. It's you know, you think about it like, what's the curb appeal of this movie? And you know, it's easier right. to just have a have Santa Claus in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street or something. You know, and so yeah. um, 
it doesn't really have the other trappings of Christmas that you would expect, even though it's probably, you know, one of the most deeply connected to the positive feelings of Christmas movies that I've ever seen. So I, so yeah, I don't know. Like I, 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 I did shy away from this movie for a while because it's not, you know, happy, silly, just Christmas joy, uh, lots of decorations sorts of things. Yeah. It's, it's also, it's, it's an intensely weird film as well, Sam, as you point out, like, like, there's parts of it that, like, I when the first time I watched this movie, like, I'm like, wait, this, the like the galaxies are talking to each other, and those are angels. Like, it's very weird. <laughs> and then that there's doesn't really, you know, that that comes strange. back intermittently yeah. for the next two hours. You yeah. know, it's not really a yeah. thing until the way end of yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's so much that's not. I mean, to your point, Sam. I mean, I wrote about this too. It's like, it, it, it is a. I, I think it's a Christmas film, but you, it, it would work without. Uh, without Christmas as a plot device, I think, um, yeah, not in the same level, I don't think, but it it doesn't. It it's about it's about a yeah, like you said, a a, a person who's questioning his own worth and his own value and in, in like the universe essentially. And um, you know, I think we can talk about sort of the I, I the first time I watched this, I was also just kind of blown away by the sort of the politics of the film as well um again 1946 <laughs> post post world war you know right before you know right right as joe mccarthy's about to do a bunch of you know um communist hunting in the in the u.s senate like um and uh and, and you kind of tied in like i don't sam i don't even think it's like i think you're perhaps being a little too harsh on yourself yourself in the sense that like it's a it's it is it's a difficult movie to descri- to describe to anyone and be like no you you just it's one of those that you just go you just got to see it like I, that's that's the way I would describe it because if you set, if you describe it it sounds ridiculous or hokey or like okay like all right yeah Jimmy Stewart I like Jimmy Stewart I guess um, it's it's just <laughs> it's just unusual in a lot of ways uh, but in really good ways I think. Yeah, it does. It takes a very interesting route to get where it gets, you know. And as you said, Andrew, the politics behind it—it's—it's it's depressing in a lot of ways because it—it, it, you know, to me at least, it's really about putting your dreams aside for the greater good, and you know, and 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 the the, the pitfalls that go along with that, but also obviously the joys and the benefits which you may not see at the moment because you are distracted by what you didn't do. So I guess there's, you know, there's a pessimistic and like an optimistic way to look at a lot of this movie. The pessimistic way is like the, he, he gave up on all these great things, but then he realizes at the end what he had. And it's like, well, but you have other things now. And those are also good. And then there's an optimistic viewpoint of like, everyone must, we all must put aside these things sometimes to, to get what we need to get. And I think it's a very, and like, it's sort of, but, but I think regardless of where you stand, like what is happening in the course of the movie, the ending is so touching and powerful. And obviously the end takeaway is, is the same, regardless of what you're thinking in the middle. Like whether you're thinking, oh man, poor Jimmy Stewart, or well, of course Jimmy Stewart must do this. We all must do this. Like at the end, you're just so happy that he realizes what he has, which is like, but it's not, it's not cheap. It's not like it, it, it's, it's sentimental, but it's not, it's not play. It's not, you know, 
manipulating you in any uh, yeah. way that doesn't feel earned. Like it's 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 a genuine. You've been through this journey with this guy, and 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 the way it taps into the Christian spirit at the end is saying like, what matters is being near the people that you care about, and also like in a way like telling them how you feel or asking them for help or or relying on your community like these are all things that he forgot along the way and like and that's a christmas spirit thing right there like without hitting it on the nose too hard without you know just having christmas as the backdrop it still gets into that that idea of what i think what i actually like about christmas and what certainly sam has introduced to me in a lot of these movies is just the idea of being with people you care about and and enjoying their company and like having a nice time and not the commercialism, not the bullshit, but just like the community element. I think it's a uh, it's impossible to watch this movie and get to that point and not be touched by it. I think. Oh, yeah. I I don't know. I like I I struggle with the end. No, I mean like it's it's a, I don't know what this movie's trying to tell me. That's what I think. Like <laughs> like at a at at a at a surface level or i mean at, you know at a basic level it's about you know uh, 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 a community coming together and a guy like essentially essentially getting paid back for giving his whole life to you know the community that he lives in but like at the end of the day like he still hasn't won really like capitalism has still beaten him, you know, like all he's done is like extend, <laughs> you know, extend the life, the build, the building and loan company a little bit further. Right. And he's, he's certainly improved lives, but like the capitalists won in this scenario, like I still think at the end of the day, and then also at the end of the day, like the whole reason that this gets precipitated, it, it is, Yes, because of a single bad actor, right? Um, what's what's the villain's name? I, I'm forgetting Mr. it. Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter. Yeah, Mr. Potter. But, like, uh, you know, th- there's no one st- who's able to stop him, right? Um, and so I don't know if – I don't know what, what it says about our, our society or what the commentary was on our society. But, like, I, 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 I don't know. And, you know – even it takes like a shock to the system for George Bailey to like get out of this rut of just feeling run down and destroyed and yelling at his kids and, you know, hating his job. And, and, uh, you know, the shock to the system is important and, uh, and sort of like redeems him, but I don't know. I, I can't help but feel a little bit sad and pessimistic I, I do take the pessimistic view as you pointed out steve um of this movie because you know he he has his family he has his people but like he still hasn't won some great victory like mr potter doesn't get taken down in no way he's totally fine there's no they didn't get the money back that uncle billy loses at the end it's he wins yeah but sam sam wouldn't it be overly cinematic though if like mr potter got his comeuppance and everything like that's not really the point of the movie I don't believe is to and it's also would be unrealistic cat. sort of it, it would be yeah it would it wouldn't be yeah, 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 this, yeah. this strives so, to say like that's the the best win you might get is the win that George gets even though that is not the the win you'd want to see or the win a movie would normally give you. I, well, I think the the message of the film is not that like you know George Bailey you know s- slices Mr. Potter in half, which is like what would happen <laughs> in a Marvel film. It's that if you are a good person and a fixture in your community, um, that will matter. That that will matter to a lot of people. And it might matter in the most important 
moment of your life uh, or it might not but it, like it's still it's still a good thing to do like i so I, I thought a lot about this when i wrote about it but like again this comes out in 1946 jimmy stewart himself has just returned from world war ii um he served and you know i think i, I actually i have a i'm a pessimist pessimist not about this film but about how far i think the that our country has strayed from the values put forth in this film. But I think to me there in 1946, they're an affirmation of what America has just gone through, which is um, this, this immense um, shared sacrifice by lots and lots of people like George Bailey. And you know what, throughout all that from world war one through world war two, there were people like Mr. Potter getting rich off of it and who don't, who aren't really, pulling their you know uh, pulling their weight but the point is that you know a lot of us are all in this together and i mean you know we've heard that phrase all in this together a lot in the last year it's distressing to me when i watch this and i see this this what i think is a, an affirmation of american values and i and i think about how far we've gone from this 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 like community building this idea of shared sacrifice and um you know, being kind and decent to other people and not, you know, not um, uh, valuing the almighty do dollar. Like I think you could probably say in the late 1970s or 1980s, it really started to stray from that. In fact, you know, like I've, I've wrote, I wrote about this and I, I think about it every time I see it. I'm like, I'm like, how is this movie not um, like I feel it feels like someone on Fox and Friends is going to take a run at it someday. Like it's just a matter of time, in terms of it being like. And actually, there are there are if you read there are some. The FBI actually thought this was like sort of you know uh, a communist or socialist or whatever written thing because because of a lot of what what the building loan is sort of stands for. Right? But like, but Capra um, is Capra also. I'm reading about Capra now, and I've read a little about him before. Like he got back from war as well, and he made pre yeah. basically propaganda films during the war. As you know, yeah. it, it was good propaganda. But you know, he was he was serving his country yeah. as well, and he was also considered out of touch and and too cheesy for that time period anyway. At that point, so like, if anything, that seems like a an answer for why this movie didn't hit in the 40s because Capra wasn't really really his sensibilities were no longer in line with the movie going populous but as you're noting like this movie has like the, the critique i would sort of make of this and this is a very modern viewing of it is that you know as, as you noted you know the helping your community is good running a building even if it's not your live stream running the building running like a small business is good because it helps people's lives but it also like like it seems to imply that like capitalism is going to exist and run amok regardless like there's going to be mr potters no matter what and you're not gonna it's unrealistic to take them down you're not not going to take them down in fact the movie doesn't even waste any time uh, 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 making it seem like that's the plan you know like that's not in a twinkle in anybody's mind they're just trying to make their own way in the world and there's an upliftingness to that there's also a depressing element to that which might be what sam was getting at is that like there's no even bother of like well mr potter is bad and he's also he represents what's bad and also he himself is bad but yet we are all going to lose to him and at a certain point we won't even try we will just try and not die along the way and like that is depressing beyond just the movie itself like that sort of thematic look at this is does not make you smile <laughs> like and it does not really i don't totally get what Capra, I think as, as maybe Sam was thinking, I don't totally get what Capra is going for there. Like, I don't get what the ultimate takeaway is. Like, I just get what I see on screen and how I sort of process it. And I don't really know what to think about that. I don't think it attracts, I'm not saying this as a real negative per se. I just find it intriguing to sort of try and pinpoint what exactly is going on. Because I don't think 
I think there's a lot of things going on, you know, and I don't think it is just so clear cut as to be like, this is exactly what Frank Capra thinks. I think it's a bunch of stuff sort of rolled together. Oh, that's exactly what I was getting at. Like, I don't know, like when you when he goes back in time or through the you know scenario where he doesn't exist, like all he all he stopped is Potter from consolidating slightly more power, right? And naming the town Pottersville instead of Bedford Falls. And so, like, is the is is what they're saying that like individual people could be a temporary bulwark against rampant uh, capitalism that's going to exploit everyone? Uh, <laughs> and like, what's the outcome of that, right? Like, and I, I, I there's sort of a ready-made answer, which is you know that you know uh, if if individuals do that, communities recognize it, then you have this contagion effect where you get positive outcomes or whatever. But I, I, I don't know. It's like, the, yeah, I, I, sh- I struggle with It is realistic, though. Like maybe, maybe that's where Capra, Andrew, sorry, I don't mean to butt in, but maybe that's where Capra was sitting at this point in his life is like, the, I've seen evil. I've seen, you know, at home and abroad. Obviously, abroad was much worse, but certainly I've seen people I don't like in, in America. And like the only thing you really can realistically do is be your best self and have friends and family and loved ones and make yourself happy and, and obviously improve their lives too, not just shell off. But you're not going to, you, you're only going to achieve so much. Yet what you achieve still means a lot to many, many people. So don't take it lightly or undersell it. Yeah, well, I think like I guess one, it's a lot for one movie to do to to you know tell this redemptive story of one really great like you know I wrote in my piece on this like he's an all time mensch George Bailey you know he's like he's like he's like you know he's like you want to you want to be I you know the 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 scene where you kind of get that is when he's um, walking uh, Mary back from the from the dance Um, but. uh, so it's a lot for one movie to do that. But I think, I guess I would push back and say, you know, look, the last four years have been, you know, a reminder for all of us that like, you know, you do need it. it, it, it you need more than one person or one individual to, to save you from the pot, the potters of the world. Right. Like we've, we've gotten a constant reminder of that in the last four years. It's, I'm not arguing that point, but I do think, that this movie makes a very powerful point about the power of sort of building a community and the idea that a lot of people coming together has is is powerful all by itself. Uh, it's not like a protest film, but like it is powerful in the very end scene when you get the all the um, all the people from from Bedford Falls dropping the the money into the um, into the, the basket basically. And like the first people are the, if you guys notice carefully, like the first people to put money in the basket are the people who are demanding to get their money out of the bank. The day there was a run on the banks. That's a powerful, powerful statement right there. Um, and you know, no, it's not, you're right. It's not enough all by itself, but you know, to just push back and make the counter arguments and like, yes, he prevented it from becoming Potterville. And that is, that in and of itself is a, a, a monumental impact. It takes people like George Bailey to prevent Pottervilles from happening. It takes a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. So I would, I would, I would, you know, I guess it, I, I, under, I certainly understand the sort of despair with which you can watch this movie, especially again now the last thirty to forty years of history. Um, but I think some of the point of it is just that um, 
a lot of the power is just in, in hanging together and hanging with your community and the, and the people that matter to you. Um, and, and that, that it, it doesn't solve the problem by itself, but it, it, uh, it helps, I suppose. So, uh, that, that would be my, that would be my counter argument to you guys. So I can't believe I'm arguing the pessimistic side of, a, <laughs> of an argument this close to Christmas. Crazy. <laughs> But I think, but Sam, I think, but to tie this to how you, you know, again, to, to the movies that we've watched on this podcast, good and bad, and, and, you know, and certainly the Christmas movies that you find appealing, they, they have much tidier endings than this, you know? Evil is, at Christmas time, you know, love me, what, what's the line from love actually about love? It's Christmas and Christmas is about love or whatever, and yeah. Love yeah. is all around us. Love is all around us, whatever bullshit they peddle, but also at Christmas time, evil is defeated, you know? Like, evil gets yeah. dispatched and love and good wins, but this movie does not, and I think, which is probably why Andrew and I like it so much, and I'm glad you like it too, Sam, but like, it is not looking for that neat and tidy ending, and it's not looking to and not looking for the Christmas ending. Like I don't know if the Christmas ending was a thing exactly in 1946, like it is now. But even re- I mean, there have always been Christmas stories, and I think a lot of them had that sort of you know bedtime story finale. And this one is like no, like it's still a beautiful, touching ending. And like the way the last 25 minutes zeroes in on George and his impact and all that, and with Clarence, like it's so good. It should not work. Like it is, it's a bunch of pe- yeah. it is, it's a bunch of pieces artfully stitched together. But I still think stitched together. You know, like I think it is. It's a. They're not disparate parts by any stretch, but I don't think if you tried to make this movie again, I just think people. Or if you showed someone like the screenplay, it'd be like, "Well, this all is great, but like, why do we go from here to here and then there and then why is the first two hours so long? Yeah. Like, why are you doing all this?" But it just works. Like, it's it's just it's it's you can't really. You watch it and it has an impact on you, and I think that's why I was trying. What I was trying to get out in the beginning when we started talking is like I just can't sum up why it works for me or for all of us, but its impact is undeniable. Like it just you you really feel for George the end, and you and whether you you know again whether you argue about his impact on the community and the world and what that means, you want the man himself to be happy and you want him to recognize his own worth, and that's an accomplishment of the movie. Yeah, I mean, to get philosophical, I think all the things you're describing are what make like what I would describe as a truly great movie. It's 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 complicated. Um, the, it's got a lot of layers to it. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, it shouldn't. The 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 way it's put together, just like it shouldn't work. And then you know, it just it like even the discussion we just had, it's like there is a bit of a. A, a Rorschach test, right? To, to, to the film itself, you turn it from one angle and you see it one way and then you turn it from another angle and you see it another way. Um, you know, that's just, to me, that's just one of the defining things of just broadly what a great film is, what, dif- what separates a great film from a very enjoyable, good film, you know, is that, that we can be sitting here 70 some odd, maybe whatever years later and, be be dissecting it and and turning it around like it's a like it's a prism or something like that to to get different shafts of light coming out of it so i can't disagree with that I mean, we we should also, you know, th- th- I love this serious sort of in-depth conversation. This is not typically how we do our Sam episodes, <laughs> but I love it, and it's great. I will say this movie is so funny and and yeah. so charming in a lot of little ways. Like the old-fashioned elements, like I love how Jim, like you know, the the casual misogyny is great. <laughs> just like baked oh in, calling God. calling women brainless and just treating them like they yeah. are 
Objects is great. Uh, Jimmy Stewart playing a 20-something-year-old man for the Vulcan yeah. movie is also great. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> clearly, in his 40s, like clearly not. <laughs> but and the movie taking no pains to just even remotely mess. Like he wears younger clothes, I guess, when he's younger in the movie. But mostly, it's just like it's Jimmy Stewart. Who cares? You know, he's great. You love him. <laughs> it's like we're just I'm... gonna. The Jimmy Stewart charm offensive, and you're powerless to resist. That's it. I'm surprised they used a child actor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's soda jerking to old man Jimmy Stewart. Oh, shucks, guys. Uh, uh, About to lose my hearing. (laughs) Yes. Him just going down the going down the shovel on the ice, like very beginning. Crazy long legs. Oh yeah. my god! No wonder he got Harry Bailey out of there. He's an adult man. Of course, he's saving the ice. <laughs> he just stood up. So I have a hot take yeah, about I... Jimmy Stewart too. I, Andrew, you might just this might rile you up. I don't. Obviously, he is he is a singular screen presence and is fascinating to watch and incredibly charming. Is he a good actor? Like a like a a objectively good actor, or is he just unbelievable at being Jimmy Stewart? Um. Yes, that is going to rile me up. Yes, he's a good actor. <laughs> but you know what Dude, I mean, no. though, right? Like, it's not. Yes, he... I, yes, I, I know, and I know we we promised the people that we were going to do Jimmy Stewart impressions. Oh God, okay, I'm not. We'll get to. I probably <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Another glass of bold wine before <laughs> that. But um, my counter argument to that is like, watch this movie where he is like sort of. This is like the the Jimmy Stewart we all think of. I think where he. This is the one everyone of... does impressions of. Right, right. You know, I mean, like I wrote down, you know, the the his. I think my favorite line in the whole thing is, "This is a very interesting situation," and um, he's like completely naked behind the, a bush. Like he just delivers it perfectly. So, look, that this is a big part of the persona, and I'm not, I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't disagree. I know where you're going with that idea, but go watch Vertigo. Go watch him in in a Hitchcock movie, and it's like a totally different. Is it? You know, yeah, his voice particularly is is sort of un, unmistakable and a part of it, but it's it's a totally different. Um, he's just tapping into a totally different thing with with movies like that. So, of course, he's not. I know, I know. Look, yes, yeah, it's, it's like the Denzel Washington question: like, isn't he always just playing Denzel? But I don't, I don't think that's. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Um, I don't think that's really particularly true of Denzel and Clooney. I think that's kind of reductive, but, um, but, uh, I, I think if you look at the, the breadth of his work, um, there's, there's a lot of range in there. I mean, I, I did just watch, uh, the shop around the corner, which is like much in the same lane as this. It's a, it's a romantic comedy and, you know, he's kind of playing that. He, he, de- he clearly has a persona. I'm not arguing that piece of things, but, um, he's not always just, just being, being Jimmy Stewart, um, in my opinion, but your, your mileage may vary, I suppose. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think he's oh, fine. I've yeah. never seen any of others, other movies with Jimmy Stewart, so to me, he's just George Bailey. <laughs> to a lot of people, he is too. So I think that's super yeah. duper fair. But I will say as well, the other thing that sticks out to me big time is making out in movies, I guess, or 
Clarify oh for me. Oh, my God. Is it, it's, once they are married, they seem to be able to kiss on screen. But I assume in that scene before they are married, there is some decency rule about not being able to kiss? Or is it the making out that's the problem? What, like, what, is, what were the rules like back then? Because it's, it's so weird know. to see now. That scene is so good. That scene when they get together and they're on the phone. And like that's so much tension and passion. And then they just rub cheeks together for 30 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, I I don't think this is can be entirely pinned on the production code, but there probably were some rules in place on that. But I I did write in my notes: Jimmy Stewart is a weird kisser. So that's my. <laughs> I, I did too. Yeah, it's very weird. And you it's think, not just. Do you think that that's part of Jimmy? Do you think Jimmy Stewart is also like, just a bad at kissing and doesn't know what to do? I, I think he might be a bad on-screen kisser. Yeah, I think that's that's possible. Wow. A lot of the, a lot of You're the like roles i've seen him in he's not like he's if he's in like in vertigo he's not like kissing a lot of people or uh rear window mm-hmm. it's not like a big part of the there's not a big romance part so yeah i think he's maybe just a weird kisser i think he just likes to kiss with like half of his face that's kind of seemed like what he was doing i don't know <laughs> it's, it's like it's violent <laughs> yes <laughs> like i hope he got a good shave that day right yeah i was <laughs> yeah. just like ow yeah uh yeah oh man it was weird yeah. weird yeah that's that'll never not be weird whatever old movie it is and whatever the reason behind it just watching like when people you should clearly be kissing and you're not it, it always feels incredibly strange Sam, here's a question for you as we're wrapping up here, the 2020 Christmas movies on a great, great film. Where does this rank in your list of the best Christmas movies ever? Because the one thing we should get into in more clarity before we finish is this movie's touch on Christmas. It's light. It is more thematic than literal. But, Sam, how does that sit with you now that you've seen it again? Is it one of the do – you, do you put it in some separate category for good movies that are also about Christmas? Or does it truly crack the top bunch of your favorite Christmas movies? Um, I would say it's like towards the bottom of my top five, maybe no, maybe this is like number five. Cause like I, we, we discussed, I like all the touches when they're from Christmas, but, um, (laughs) I I do tend to like a heavier touch, uh, in my, in my top five. It's just personal preference. Um, so does Mary, apparently. Poor lady. Um, oh, yeah, and four kids too, right? Yeah, oh, they got God. to work, huh? What a life! That was probably like I mean, not a lot. Of kids. Compared she, with the was Italian it? guy, I mean, yeah, she she's a fox. Donna Reed, though. I mean, I what a good looking woman. I, I spent I, a lot of this movie being like, wow, she's very attractive. So, uh, both her and the other woman who is, who is, who is pushing for his love. What is her name? Violet. She's the one from Oklahoma, right? Violet. Gloria Glam is Violet. Violet was a babe too. They were both very, you know, sometimes women in older movies like look distinctly from the 1940s. And I'm like, that's not something I'm really, you know, can get into naturally, but these are both very, very lovely women. They were, they were, they were perfectly put in this film. That scene where, uh, she literally turns every head of every guy on the street is just <laughs> like, you're just not, you're not allowed to do that anymore uh, in real life, in real life or in a movie. You can't do it anymore. 
There's uh, a dog. lot of critics in, in this movie. I mean, like, let's talk about Jimmy Stewart sexually harassing the black maid. Like that part is. Oh like, yeah, and then she yeah. comes. And then she comes that back at the end like, and says something incredibly stereotypical and puts her money in. Yeah. I've been saving this for a man, and you're like, oh no, yeah. like uh, <laughs> when I got married. Yeah, yeah, it's so bad. Really not good. Uh, Andrew, where does this fall in your? Is this your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Uh, no, I'd say I'd say it's number two. To I, I love I, I love Muppet Christmas Carol. It's my favorite. Um, but this is like one A to that. Um, but I, I don't know. Like again, then we're then we're having this discussion about what is and what is not a Christmas movie. So, um, like I would I would sit here and say it's, this is tortured. But I would sit here and say Muppet Christmas Carol is my favorite Christmas movie. But objectively, It's a Wonderful Life is a better movie movie. Which we you and I have talked about a bunch in on in other episodes about just favorite versus good. Like yeah, like. It, that's yeah. the kind of thing. That's sort of what I was getting at in the beginning too. Like, I wouldn't give this in my own personal rating system. I would give something five stars if it is like something I love with all my heart. And like, five stars might also be very flawed too. But usually, it just hits me in some way that I just cannot say no to. Whereas, I think a four and a half stars is like this movie is technically brilliant and is a masterpiece, and everyone involved is a genius. But it just doesn't do it for me in some little way that I can't put into words. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. This, this movie is like, it's it. I, I regret coming to it late, I suppose, because it's it's now like required viewing every year for me. Because and that's that to me is like if I'm ranking like a you know or making my list of good Christmas movies, it's like, what do I really feel like the holidays aren't complete without having seen? And as I we started off here, it's it's a pretty short list for me. A lot of the other ones are like, eh, I'll throw it on, but like. This one, Home Alone, Muppet Christmas Carol. There's there's a handful that I feel like I just I have to see for the the season to sort of be be complete. And this is this is one love of them. Love actually the holiday, four Christmases, <laughs> yeah, White Christmas. Sam, what is your Charlie actual Brown. favorite? Have we ever have we ever clar- there, clarified that? What is your number one? Is that too much I, to even answer? Be, Is there, can there even be an answer? It's it's really hard for me to make a call, but like if I was going to pick one, if you said in 2021 you're only allowed to watch one Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> what a hell. That well, is literally, that is just torture. That's, that's, that's current, a already. Our Christmas series next year will be that. We'll just, we'll just be checking in mental checks with Sam. Send me to Gitmo. Just send me to Gitmo. <laughs> That's very nice of Gitmo to give you one, actually. That is pretty... That isn't, it's yeah. hell for Sam, but it is actually pretty decent treatment for a prison facility. I would probably... T- I would probably do Home Alone. Uh, um, yeah, I think... Wow. That's a good... I mean, that's... I, I don't... The rewatchability in that is off the charts. I think that's that that definitely is 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 terrific. It's not yeah. fair too because Home Alone is like just so tied up with my childhood that I can't think about it objectively. So I would I we have to do Home Alone next year. Then I know Andrew and I have done it uh, ourselves, but now that I know you love it that much, Sam, like it has to be on the list in twenty twenty one, right? I mean, like I've been saying for years, we have years of Christmas movies left. <laughs> We're going to have lots of fun for many more years. 
<laughs> I will say in Home Alone, I feel like I could watch Home Alone over and over again because as an adult, I could watch Pesci and Stern in every scene and just enjoy <laughs> the little things they're doing, you know? Like, because I feel like they're just being having so much fun with it and being so silly that I feel like just now I would just I would just in the scenes where I normally would watch everything else going on or like or pay attention to the story, I would just watch those two actually good actors do their thing, and I feel like that would give me a whole new sense of joy every time I watched it. What's amazing about that is that, like, Joe Pesci, who is, like, the king of, like, mob movies. I mean, like, well, maybe not the king, but, like, uh, you know, like... A king. If there's Mount Rushmore, like, he's definitely on there, right? Like, it's like it's like De Niro, Pacino, and then Pesci, probably, I think. Anyway, like, he, you know, I was eight, seven when that movie came out, and, like, he he shows up before you even know he's the robber like he's the cop in the house you like you 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 get his entire persona like all of the movies he's at like my cousin Vinny and goodfellas like it's all there in that first scene when you're eight like you don't need like you, you don't need to have seen anything else it's like it's all right there which i think is just a tribute to him as an actor um and i never really thought of it that way steve is like that's part of the enjoyable part about it uh now I mean, I also find like like Catherine O'Hara's Second Life very interesting. In oh the, yeah, in the you're con- talking John Candy and, scenes too. That's a whole other yeah, level. Yeah, of right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the Uncle Frank. I mean, is. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> of it. It's classic. It's a classic. Well, there you go. We're priming the pump for next year. Maybe Sam's in charge, you know, with some vetoes on our end. But <laughs> Sam, if you want to throw that out there, I think it's going to sneak through for 2021. So. I think so too. Yeah. So keep that yeah. in mind. I still have a list of 30 movies that we haven't watched. But okay. <laughs> 30 movies. There are like three left, I think, uh, that I, I'm like, I want to so wrong. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned that at least one of them isn't on your list, Sam. So that there's that too. Like, yeah. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it's on my list, but okay. Right. Well, we'll find out. 2020 movies are done. This is it for our Christmas journey. But 2021 is still to come, and there will be plenty of Sam choices, potentially some Andrew and Steve vetoes, but ultimately a lot more movies in December of 2021. But, guys, this is great. It was really, really fun. It was such a good journey. And, Sam, I will say, I think one of your goals every year is to get me in the spirit, and I think ending with It's a Wonderful Life has me – as much in the spirit as I'll get. Like, it was really, really fun. It was lovely, and I feel just genuinely pretty excited for for whatever Christmas is in 2020. I feel pretty pumped for it. So thank you for that. It was a treat. You're very welcome. Merry Christmas, Steve. Merry Christmas to you, Sam. Merry Christmas to you as well, Andrew. Another year on the In Real Deep podcast. We did it. We did 100 episodes. We did Christmas again, and there's plenty more to come in January and beyond. Isn't that right? Yeah, well, I mean, we got, I mean, to, to tease out of the Christmas season, we got, you know, what, Wonder Woman and Soul, Midnight Sky, a bunch of other good stuff coming out. So, I'm sure and our be... top 10 list, which will be coming out, I think, a little yeah. sooner than usual this year because we've actually got a chance to catch up on all these movies at our own pace <laughs> on the internet. So, yeah, we, we haven't had to physically go anywhere. Yeah, con, we watch them all in a too. horrible way to watch movies, <laughs> but pro, yeah. we watch the yeah. movies. So. Yes. <laughs> Pro promptness. <laughs> yes. Con everything else. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. 
But we will be bringing that to InRealDeep.com and the InRealDeep podcast in early 2021. So subscribe to us. Visit InRealDeep.com. A lot of good stuff. All of our Christmas episodes. And again, a bunch of content to come in the coming year. So Andrew, Sam, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it every year. We greatly appreciate it this year. Hope you're all doing as well as you possibly can be. And we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Ooh, the soon will come our way. Santa very soon will come our way.